Support for this episode comes from Lalamand Brewing. Lalamand Brewing is a division of Lalamand Inc., a global producer of yeast and bacteria that aims to help breweries achieve their growth and quality goals by offering products, services, and education. Lalamand Brewing's premium brewing yeasts and bacteria deliver unmatched consistency, reliability, and purity, allowing brewers to take full control of the brewing process. At the forefront of innovation and always looking to expand on the motto, we brew with you, Lalamand Brewing recently launched Lau Brew Verdant IPA in collaboration with Verdant Brewing Co. UK. Lau Brew Verdant's IPA is a unique strain of brewing yeast suitable for a broad range of beer styles, notably modern IPAs. To find out more about Lalamand Brewing and follow their news and product launches, connect with them on social media or visit www.lalamandsbrewing.com. Today's guest is the co-founder of Duration, a progressive farmhouse brewery that make beers that belong in Norfolk. Starting as a nomadic brewery in 2017, the business Miranda Hudson runs with co-founder Bates has become one of the most respected in the UK. Hello and welcome to the Brewer's Journal podcast. My name is Tim Sheehan, editor of the Brewer's Journal. Based in a beautifully renovated Norfolk barn, Duration continues to expand. A successful crowdfunder was one of their biggest successes of 2022, with more than 600 supporters, enabling them to truly push on with the future of their brewery, taproom and much more besides in 2023. And last month, Miranda joined us at Springwell, the home of North Brewing, to deliver an honest and open talk on the story of Duration so far. But also, she shared some sincere insights on her own personal journey, along with how she has navigated certain hurdles along the way. Recorded live in Leeds, here is Miranda to take up the story. (laughs) Hi everyone, Um, thanks for having me. Lovely to see so many friendly faces here. Hope you're all having a nice afternoon so far. See, I'm Miranda and I'm one of the founders at Duration Brewing. And for those that haven't come across Duration, we're a rural farmhouse brewery out in West Norfolk. And together with our head brewer, my husband Bates, and a small team of nine people, we make session strength beers to enjoy fresh in the moment alongside wild mixed fermentation and barrel aged beers that are more complex and age slowly over time. I haven't like synced my talk to my slides, so just every now and then, if someone fancies a different one, put your hand up. (laughs) Um, We opened in late 2019, so just over three years ago. And uh, since then, we've trebled our cellar capacity and our team. We invested heavily in our equipment, knowing the beers we wanted to brew across a diverse range. And we invested in our location, transforming a dilapidated stone barn into a state-of-the-art brew house. Um, It took 18 months to sort of plan, and that's when we were um, a nomadic brewery, and another year to actually sort of put spades in the ground and build. And we launched just weeks before the pandemic hit. 
So it was wonderful timing there. Um, we've never really traded in usual times, so we don't have that much to compare to. And it's been challenging and dynamic to run a business. So I wanted to share a little of that journey from my own personal perspective with you today. Uh, my work on a day-to-day -day covers um, all departments, really. I don't brew myself and I lean towards, you know, recruitment, some of the marketing and, yeah, have a hand in everything. Um, we have four in our production, um, a taproom manager and three in sales and marketing and myself. If people want any samples, um, I think on your tables, I've chosen our flagship, which is Turtles, probably makes up about 25% of our production and a little Hellas that we made called Folding Money. So feel free to tuck in. Turtles is sort of juicy, tropical, soft. Um, it's got mosaic and Halatau Blanc in there. Um, I get a little melon, white wine and slight grapefruit from it. And then Folding Money on the other hand is, um, you know, like a, a bready light Hellas and uh, crisp and clean, little bit floral, very easy to drink. Should we do a slide change? I, I've forgotten what I put on, so oh, there you go. <laughs> um, I'm not sure how many of you know me, but I wanted to share today, something quite personal actually, so if I get emotional, don't judge me. But yeah, I live with being bipolar. Um, this is a condition that I've had for a long time, but went undiagnosed for a really long time, so I was 40 when I got a diagnosis. And I think I always knew I was wired differently. And personally, if I could be cured tomorrow, I don't think I'd take it. Um, I do run hot and cold. I've always been, you know, pretty emotional. Um, at times I've been hospitalized, I've been sectioned, medicated, suicidal, and racked with guilt wondering, you know, whether I'm a good person. And my moods fluctuate from, you know, minute to minute, and I've had to learn my own limits the hard way. So I've done a lot of work on myself. You know, it is quite a personal thing to share, but I'm okay with it. And um, I'm a work in progress, which I think we all are. And I think it's really important to kind of talk about these things. And, um, you know, I'm a really sociable person and I'm quite private about this. So a lot of people that know me well might not really twig or think, oh, she's all right. And, um, you know, they might have a hard time believing how unwell I can be. And I don't want to be like judged or discredited by it, which is why it's quite hard to sometimes talk about. But um, yeah, I guess it's sometimes hidden, a bit untangible, and it can feel quite lonely. So yeah, I chose to talk about it today in my speech. And I think a big part of the lockdown and where we all got to was we all had to think about our own condition a little bit more. And so what something might have been seen as a weakness, you then came to rely on you and you knew it's part of your strength. So I'm not really sharing this for pity or, um, yeah, I don't really know why I'm sharing it, but I've got a great support network of my own. I've kind of come to terms with who I am. And I guess it was for empathy and just to realize that, um, you know, we've all been living through tough times. Personally, I found a reserve and a real ability to sort of dig deeper and find perspective, especially in the lockdown. And um, I think that's something that really helped me when my business kind of just got put into this crazy scenario. So yeah, I guess it's something that's almost sunk me, but it's something that I've also been able to sort of 
um, turned to these last three years running duration, you know, with all the soul searching and the uncertainty and the hardships. And without that layer of truth inside myself and having to accept my own flaws, I don't think um, I would have got through. So yeah, I'm not perfect by any means, but the thing I've learned is that I can show up however hard the day seems, however inadequate I might feel on inside and just go into battle. And that's a real strength in my view. Yeah, so accepting my, my vulnerabilities and getting on with it, sort of anyway at times, being unapologetic about that um, has been the best possible preparation for pulling a business through the world pandemic, Brexit and the ensuing cost of living crisis that we all find ourselves in today. Um, my vulnerability could have limited me, but you know, I think somehow I've managed to turn it into a strength. And my experience have led me here and put me in the position that I'm in today. So I think if I was a level-headed person, let's be honest, I probably wouldn't have opened a brewery. <laughs> um, so to every average person in the room that wants to take something away from today, I'm probably here to say, just believe in yourself anyway. We all have dreams, we all face hurdles, and to simply keep at it if we all waited for the perfect conditions to realize or share our goals, the world wouldn't have half as many wonderful and diverse things in it. Um, so go out there and do it anyway. Start where you are, use what you have, and try to make every moment have count. I have, and I don't regret a moment of it. So I wanted to talk about a few of the highs that I've had in running duration. Uh, I picked five. Um, one of the first ones was just getting to do that very first brew. It was October 2019. We talked about having a business with our industry. We'd gone out and done beers with people like North. And, um, you know, we'd convinced shareholders, the banks and the brewing world that we had this idea for a farmhouse brewery, beer escape in the city. And we wanted to offer the industry something new. Uh, so, yeah, that day... You know, I knew we'd found the funds, we'd made it through the building of it, we hadn't run out of money. And then, you know, on the 23rd of October, it was time to do that very first brew. And um, the sense of having an idea and having a dream and getting there, um, that day just felt epic. And it was a huge day and one I'll never forget. Yeah, one an another high for me is collaborations like Colin was talking about. I think sharing and growing and, um, you know, talking with each other makes us stronger. Um, and you get to meet some of your heroes, you know, like we hosted Burning Sky last year and uh, Mark Trentner came for a cool ship brew with us. And uh, Bates and Mark are both quite kind of uh, quiet, a little bit reserved characters. And just seeing these two sort of peaceful, happy souls in this steamy room full of work. Yeah, I got a huge sense of pride and it kind of felt palpable in my chest. Um, the resultant beer we're gonna be releasing in just a few weeks, it's called Firm Friends and it's a Belgian IPA. And um, I love that we got to just make a beer that we can sit in oak for almost a year. Uh, and I'm really excited to launch it. Mark was also one of the very first people that I heard speak. Um, I remember Bates was working at Brew By Numbers. This was probably or oh, 2012 or 13. And he kept talking about wanting to build this brewery. And so I did a little research and Mark happened to be giving um, like a masterclass at The Guardian. 
And I went along and listened. And I think Eddie from Harbour was giving a talk as well. And I remember just seeing this person on a stage talking with such passion about taking a leap of faith and going somewhere new with his beer styles that he wanted to make. And, um, and then I sort of clocked that Bates had been talking about doing something really similar. And I had no idea on the brew process or even what mixed fermentation was, but I came away in such awe and I thought, yeah, maybe one day I'll build like a farmhouse brewery, why not? So yeah, roll forward like, I don't know, 10 years and that's exactly what I've done. And um, collaboration was such a huge part of building our brand. Um, so it's really nice now that I have a brewery and we can invite people back over and come visit. And a big part of what we do as well is work with local ingredients. So, you know, we've done a beer this year with um, Brancaster oysters and got to meet the father and son that have been hand rearing oysters in the North Norfolk coasts uh, for, you know, decades and make a beer with them and, um, you know, work with local honey and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it feels really great to be making beers that belong full of local ingredients and terroir. So a third highlight for me, I'm going to say, is opening our tap room. Going to give you another slide as well. Um, yeah, in April 2021, you know, we'd all been pent up, locked away. And I thought, we've just got to get some cash in this business. Let's just open a tap room. We're absolutely in the middle of nowhere. Got no idea if people are going to come. Um, we'd been an essential shop. And... Um, yeah, it'd been really challenging and I just wanted to see some people as well. And uh, people came out to see us in their hour off, you know, when we were in essential shop for a little bit of normalcy. And so to finally have customers come and sit down and be served a pint on premise, it just felt awesome. And people came from all over the country to visit us and we were utterly gobsmacked. And I looked around and thought, actually, I could have just done a bar. <laughs> like, I really enjoy this side of it. Um, but yeah, to see that happening just felt beautiful. And um, a big part of having a brewery for me is making somewhere where people want to just get away for a bit and connect. And, you know, we have a lovely, beautiful agricultural setting so we can share that. And um, yeah, there's something really special for me when I talk about making beers that belong and that are connected to the region we're from. When I see someone come sit down, they've maybe traveled to be with us. They've driven through barley fields to get there and then we put a beer in their hand. It's a really, really rewarding experience for me and hopefully for them soon uh, too. So yeah, I get a huge sense of well-being to be able to offer that. So number four, events. Um, yeah, days like today, getting to speak with other beer lovers, networking and just um, meeting the venues that rep us so well the little chats you have after each moment where people come together to shake off the day um, around a lovely liquid. That's a real high for me. And um, I really try never to take a single opportunity for granted. I think I'm happiest passing out a glass of the good stuff and watching someone take their first sip. So yeah, do tuck in if you want to have some beer. And um, yeah, if, if you've got a venue and you want to have a event with us, then yeah, come say hello after. We'd love to talk to you. Um, so my fifth and final high was last year we ran a crowdfund campaign that Tim touched on. Um, and the idea of this was to really help us accelerate the trajectory of our vision. And it was a real moment because we, the way we wanted to do it was to do a whole UK tour, meet venues, meet people and tell them the idea before we launched the campaign. 
So yeah, Bates and myself undertook that and it was just really enjoyable to get out and just to talk about yourself because I'm a bit of a narcissist. I say, oh, I want to do this and I want to do that. And you know, like with your help, we can get there. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been really great. So that was in like May last year. So I think the fund came in in July um, and it was chiefly to add sustainability, um, which is a big part of our focus. So we've expanded our water treatment plant and that just completed last week. So that's really good. And then we're also building a permanent tap room because um, the tap room we put in is just inside our barrel store. So yeah, with all the highs from the first brews to welcoming people to our brewery for beers and collaborations, meeting people at events and inviting them to be on this journey with us, um, all of that stuff has really validated my dream. So I guess I should probably also cover some of the lows. I'm only going to go with three here. Um, facing extreme uncertainty and carrying on anyway. It's been so daunting. Um, there have been several months where we needed to trade without pubs being open. Um, you know, this isn't news to anyone. I think we've all gone through this, haven't we? And, um, you know, export routes have been closed. Kegs being the real volume for breweries, not being in play. It's been really hard to feel like the business was a success in those moments. And leading a team in those times, however small, is really challenging. And I remember having a few real hard talks with our team where we had to level with these amazing people that show up to work each day to tell them we don't know how the company will keep going. Um, you know, my neck felt most on the line, which is extra pressure. And my energy, I know from being me, rubs off on people a lot anyway. Um, you know, we were really too small to furlough anyone. We only had a team of three when the lockdown hit and we'd worked for long days for months without end um, without any holiday, trying to make everything add up each month. Um, and that's really been one of the hardest aspects of my job. Um, you know, faced with all the increasing costs and limited sales. And it's an increasingly competitive market now. You know, a lot of breweries aren't exporting as much. Um, so there's a little bit more saturation in the UK side. Yet in these moments, you know, Bates and I sat down the team. They showed us so much solidarity and belief in the business that it actually gave us the unity and the strength to kind of keep going for them. There was this one month like where we were so far off target and we had so many commitments and we could literally see like the stock building up everywhere. And um, Failing, you know, isn't an option you really want to accept when you've put everything, like, and me and Bates literally sold up, remortgaged the house, borrowed loads of money and just went for it. So you really don't want to face um, failing when you know your team have families to feed. And that's a hell of a lot of pressure and it is incredibly tough. Um, and the uncertainty almost felt crushing for me. Um, you know, but... I think that's where my mental well-being and knowing that I'd been in those sort of situations before. I was up at university at Leeds and I had like my first, I'd say, sort of psychotic break when I was up here um, back in the 90s. And I remember thinking, Randy, you've been here before. Like you've wobbled hard and you've got up. This is just a job. It's just something you get to play at. You're lucky enough to have a go at. Just do your best and see where you get. And I feel like, yeah, part of knowing who I am as a person really helped me in those moments and helped me keep going. The second really, really tough thing 
I think, is that the way we built our business plan was based on a certain amount of growth. So, you know, we opened and we knew we sort of had to grow by pretty much 40% each year to get to a point of break even and a point of profitability. So even though there were no pubs open in the country and even though there were all these challenges and it was really, really risky times, we sort of had to punch up. And I thought, if I don't get some more cellar tanks in, I'm not going to have the capacity and we're going to shrink on the vine. So not only sort of knowing it's really uncertain, but also knowing that you've kind of got to try and stick to this seemingly impossible plan. Yeah, was another real big tough time for us. But we managed pretty much, we wobbled a little bit around it, but we managed to stick to it. And we've been incredibly lucky that, you know, for much of our opening years, we have been in a position of growth. Um, so yeah, but we also had to find extra funds that wasn't coming through revenue to invest in our kit. So we added um, a centrifuge, um, we added extra tanks, and like improving on your plan in those kind of times feels like over risky. Um, but yeah, we did that as well. <laughs> yeah, and I, on, on those times, I kind of wondered if, if we were beat and it was just like a sinking ship, would I realize it's time to give up? And when would you kind of choose to step off and take the decision to close the business? Um, should I be more conservative? Should I be more risk adverse? And um, yeah, I didn't really know the correct answer there because we don't really have a comparison trading history to go against. But I guess the one thing I've kind of done in those moments is look back and think, where are you at now? Do you want to stop? How do you feel about what you're doing? And I feel like incredibly proud. Um, you know, not just the story that we have at Duration and behind the beer itself, um, but how we've operated um, and how we've tried to realize our vision no matter what. So even when on paper you kind of don't add up and you're not making the most commercial um, sense, I've kind of held on to my vision of what I want duration to be. And the how and the what, you know, we reduced ABV, we went to more lagers, we did lots of things to sort of save on costs. Um, they may have altered, but the why of why I do duration and what I want duration to be. I've never, ever, ever wavered on that. And I feel that's a comfort for me. And, um, you know, Bates and I have always kept it really simple. It's just to make good beer with good people in a way that respects where we are. And for us, that's location and using terroir. So yeah, I'll always do my very best to get us there. And that's really all I have to offer. So my third and final low, I'll give you another slide as well. Um, is I wanted to share was around loneliness. Do you remember in the lockdown and people stopped asking you, how's it going? And there were certain questions when you normally greet people that you couldn't really get to because it felt like somehow a loaded question. Well, a real low in running this business for me is the isolation I felt. Um, you know, like the, there was a few sort of Zoom meetings formed and WhatsApp groups and they were really good where we could meet up with other brewers and just chat about the day and the hardships. And they really, really helped. But I'm a Londoner and I up six and moved to bloody Norfolk in a village that has like 10. I've got a phone box. That's what I've got where I live. 
I've got like a village green, a church and a phone box. I don't have a pub, don't have a shop. You know, I've got Bates, who's quite quiet. And, uh, and, you know, no one was coming out to see us. So I felt really isolated and I was kind of like working my tits off at this brewery. And um, I think the height of the second lockdown, I remember we got through the first lockdown. We thought it was all going to get better. Then we all got put in again. Hadn't took a beat, hadn't really had a break and was still at it. And um, yeah, I think I was on autopilot at that point and I realized hadn't really made that many friends in Norfolk. If I had made them, they were mostly customers. So, you know, I was having to put on the hosty face for them. And um, I had no way of really relating how tough it had been for me to my friends or family. The only people I really felt I could do that with was, you know, in these little Zoom chats that are with other breweries or, you know, with other people who are going through the exact same thing as you. So even though you own a business and it looks great from the outside, it was really, really lonely for me. And um, yeah, I didn't want to pick up the phone. I didn't want to ring friends and family because that dreaded how's it going question would come up and I'd be like, oh, you know, I don't really know how to summarize that for you. So I just avoid the call. Um, I gained a lot of weight in lockdown as well, so I didn't really want to see anyone. But yeah, I'm, I'm someone who normally derives my energy from being outward. And I, I turn myself an extrovert. And um, so yeah, my reserves were low. And how I got by that loneliness was I took up rugby and had never been in a team sport. Um, I was like probably the most overweight. I just had a health checkup actually yesterday and I've lost the equivalent of three newborn babies <laughs> since last year. So I can't think where they would have gone. But yeah, that's the way I was at when I started playing rugby. So I was really unfit, really knackered, really exhausted, really strung out. Um, and it was one of the best things that ever happened. And I'll tell you why I loved it. The girls at training, um, they didn't ask about work. It was 90 glorious minutes on the pitch and uh, working together as a team. And rugby is one of those really supportive sports. Um, it was free aggression, which I loved. Um, and, you know, all I had to do was show up, be physical and be counted. And I got a real buzz out of it. I actually made it into the local paper last week as forward of the match in one of our fixtures. So yeah, woo me. And um, yeah, if I felt restless, it just meant I could get to sleep that night. And yeah, it never let me down. And like I said, I just had to show up. So in summary, running a business these past three years has been a bit of a wilderness period for me um, to test the value of my life and my work. Um, both dynamic, exhilarating, rewarding, full of dread, uncertainty, soul searching. It made me realize I love having a brewery um, and getting to make a humble moment to help others get some satisfaction in their life really gives me value. Ultimately, I built Duration for personal reasons, and it was an act of love for Bates, um, who's a quiet man with a lot to give for his beer, and I knew he wouldn't have done it without me. Um, yeah, I love the beers we make, what they stand for, the moments they're enjoyed in. Duration has become my home and my beating heart. And for many, it's just a beer on the bar or in the fridge, and that's okay with me too. So celebrating the wins, being as honest as you can about the lows, is how I've got through. I'm stronger for having experienced all of it and letting each, be, each day be one that I take something away from. 
being able to be vulnerable is as much a part of my story as celebrating those majestic moments where you hold up an award or you see a good review for your work come in when you least expect it. So yeah, I'd say start where you are, use what you have, try to make each moment count. You know, you can only live your life true to you. You can't live anyone else's life for them. So try to stick to your own plan and accept there's gonna be twists and turns along the way. Yeah, nothing's certain and therefore you have to do things your way. Be honest and the rest will be what it'll be. That's me, thank you. Brewers Journal Podcast is a production of Reby Media, produced and hosted by Tim Sheehan. Sound engineering by Ross McPherson. Series supervision by John Young. The executive producer is Rory Harris. And special thanks to Miranda Hudson of Duration Brewing and also to North at Springwell. <laughs>